We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, February the 11th, 2021. On today's show, we continue along with the season preview series for Gamecocks baseball today. Guys, I'm talking South Carolina's outfielders heading in the 2021 baseball season. We'll talk key losses, who's back, most approved, best overall, season will be successful if I'll give my overall grade much, much more there as well. Also, we do have your listener questions and a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks baseball player John Pancella joins the show, talks about his career at South Carolina, playing for both Chad Holbrook, Mark Kingston, the current state of Gamecocks baseball. We dive into a lot of of baseball stuff, guys. We sit now just eight days away from opening day, folks. Got a lot to get into on a Thursday. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention on their companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company, by the way. They are a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. And of course, for all of your other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That is upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
up, guys? Happy Thursday. I'm your host, Chris Phillips, the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you've all had a fantastic week and having a great day thus far. By the time you're hearing the sound of my voice, folks, I am back on the road to Orlando, Florida, back with the family vacations. I told you guys all week long, we are headed down to Florida for a couple of days. I'll be back on Monday getting one last trip in before baseball season kicks off next weekend. And, of course, you know your guys going to be locked in for the next three and a half, four months or so, hopefully all the way to the College World Series. God will and the Gamecocks make it that far. But, again, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to tune in. And, hey, if you are a big baseball fan, this is the show for you. We are talking Gamecocks baseball today as we wrap up the position unit preview series for South Carolina baseball. Now, we will finish out things as far as previewing and stuff like that. We will have the show on Tuesday of next week, a full season preview show. I will give projections, my record predictions. I'll give projected starting lineup, uh, pitching rotation staff, all that good stuff. A full preview show for Gamecocks baseball that will drop Tuesday. And, of course, opening day now just eight days away as Gamecocks open against Dayton on next Friday. But, again, guys, Hope you're all doing well. we got a lot to get into here. And again, thank you so much for tuning in, taking the time, whether you're in the office, you're on the commute home, there, whatever it may be. you got the day off. I don't know. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Like I said, a baseball-heavy show as we are wrapping up the position unit preview series. And again, quick reminder before we get going, guys, just an update on the schedule. Like I said, I am currently either on the road there in Orlando, Florida, on vacation the next few days. The podcast will roll on as normal today, tomorrow, and Monday. No Daily Crow today, tomorrow, or Monday, though. So I want to make sure you guys know that. No Daily Crow. That will return Tuesday, but podcast goes on as normal. And again, guys, thank you so much. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in today. Let's go ahead and dive right into it. We're wrapping up. Hey, we're saving the best for last for Gamecocks baseball as we talk the outfielders going in this 2021 baseball season. You take a look at the outfielders. The thing that's got to excite you is this. You bring back a ton of production from these guys, a ton of veteran experience, guys that have played in big-time SEC baseball games. The one key loss for you with this unit is Noah Campbell, uh, a guy that tons of talent, obviously signed the Milwaukee Brewers, and a guy that had an up-and-down career in Columbia. You take a look at last year. Um, when the season was called, was hitting 256, a homer, 10 RBIs. He played a lot of left field for you. Um, last season, you had Brady in center, Eister and right, or those two guys could flip-flop. You had Noah Myers in center as well. But again, you lose Noah Campbell, the one guys you lose. But guys, you take a look at who you bring back. Take a look at the list of guys you bring back. We're talking Brady Allen, Andrew Eister, Noah Myers, Braylon Wimmer, who's been working out in center field, all of the scrimmages I've been to. And then you add in these newcomers, Joshua Schuler, Brandon Fields, who was a top 50 prospect, and then David Cromer, who has family ties and his family, his father played at South Carolina. So you go down the list, though, guys, of guys you return. Brady Allen, your average leader last year, your leading hitter a year ago when the season was called, hitting 327, three homers, eight RBIs. Noah Myers was hitting 324, had six ribbies. Andrew Eister was hitting 305, four homers, and 12 RBIs. Guys, that's your second leading, your second and third leading guys in home runs, and your top three average guys all return as impact players in the outfield. We've talked about Braylon Wimmer a lot, what he can do. Um, I think the type of impact that he can have, but you return a lot of great experience in this outfield for sure. Um, breaking down these guys, again, I'm really excited about. I'm excited about the Gamecocks outfield. I think you have plenty of options. When I take a look at most to prove. You know, I went back and forth on this because 
I've already mentioned Braylon Wimmer at another position, and I'm going to get more into Braylon Wimmer as we go. But that's not who I'm going with most to prove. I, I think Allen, Eister, I think those are proven commodities on the corners. And again, I think Wimmer can be a really solid option for you in center. I think Noah Myers, yes, he he struggled in the fall from what I've heard. He's been up and down through scrimmages, but he's a guy, a speed guy. Again, can hit 250 with his legs. I mean, he puts the ball in play. He's going to hit 250 for you. But when I take a look at the most to prove, I look at one of the youngsters, one of the new guys, and, and a guy that came in as a top prospect, again, top 50 prospect in the entire country, and probably a guy that we may not have seen at South Carolina had it been a normal year in 2020. If it had been a normal draft, he might have gone. That's how good of a player this guy is. So I take a look at, again, Brandon Fields, the true freshman, and I look at Fields because of this. I've been able to watch this kid a couple of times. Again, has all of the talent in the world. Has, has more talent you could ask for. A, a freakish athlete. Nobody will question that. The upside is there. The talent is there. And this was a dude, I, you know, I was talking to different people about. They were thinking he'd be the starting, the opening day center fielder, or that he at least had that potential and that opportunity to do so. The biggest thing with Fields is this. You watch his game, and it's, it's the day-in, day-out consistency. Right, and that's a big thing, obviously, in baseball. You guys tuning in, surely you know. You know, there's a lot of guys in your roster that can go out there and do it once, do it twice. But can you show up day in, day out, and be the same guy and be a guy that the coaching staff, most importantly, can depend on? I'm not sure Brandon Fields has gotten to that level yet. And listen, it's understandable. Guy's a true freshman adjusting to the SEC. As good a prospect as you may be, that jump to SEC ball, that's a real thing. You know, that's something we've talked about with multiple guys on the show, just that jump to SEC baseball. Again, a freakish athlete. When Brandon Fields is on the base pass, I mean, it's game over. It's an automatic double, basically automatic triple. I mean, I've seen this dude swipe bags left and right in the scrimmages, in the inner squads. I mean, unbelievable athlete. The biggest thing I think Brandon Fields has to fix is this. And by the way, great fielder. Tons of range. That speed assists him maybe even more so defensively. But from what I've seen from Brandon Fields, way too much swing and miss in the game right now. And again, he has days where he looks like, man, that's your starting center fielder right there. And then there's other days where you feel like, and Mark Kingston noted this, by the way, but there's other days where you look at him and you go, he's not ready. He's not ready. This, this level looks, he's not caught up yet. So, again, is he going to be your opening day center fielder? I don't think so. I think Brandon Fields still has a way to go, but he has the most to prove to me because, again, you need depth there. You know, you, that fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder, that's extremely valuable for a baseball team. And who knows? I mean, honestly, if Brandon Fields can figure it out and play up to his potential, I think he's a guy that could take a starting spot in the outfield. Because, you know, right now, I, I, I'll go ahead and spoil it for you guys. I think you're starting outfield right now, Eister in left, Allen and right, and Wimmer, I think, is in center because Wimmer's swinging the bat well. He's swinging it well. He's got speed. He's got range. He's played a beautiful center field from what I've seen. Brandon Fields and Noah Myers are two guys that could be huge pieces of the team. You got to hit, though. Both of them, I think, have the same issue right now. They're not hitting enough. But again, Brandon Fields is a guy. The tools are there. You watch him. I mean, this guy was a three-star running back in high school, guys. This dude is a physical specimen. There's a reason so many scouts loved him. There's a reason South kind of wanted him so bad. This dude is a specimen. He has all the tools. Now it's about adjusting to this, this SEC level and putting it all together. 
So, again, my most approved for me is Brandon Fields, the true freshman. You take a look at best overall. And again, this was one I kind of went back and forth on because it's between two guys, Brady Allen and Andrew Eister. These are both your leaders in the outfield, playing both the corners, have been there for a while. Like I said, they've played a lot of really, really high-quality SEC innings for you. And Eister's a guy, listen, I think, honestly, I think he could push for the home run crown on this team. Again, had four through 16 games. Four, RB, or four home runs, 12 RBIs. Was slugging 593. Did have 15 Ks, same as Wes Clark. But, um, you know, a, a really, really nice piece. A really nice piece. Got a great stick. Probably going to be your five-hole hitter. And, and was hitting 305. But I will say this, guys. When I look at the whole package, I'm talking all the tools, fielding, throwing, you know, not just power, but an all-around hitter and an all-around baseball player, to me, the guy that sticks out the best overall is Brady Allen. Brady Allen, A-plus glove, first things first, in right field. Really, really good glove in right. And then at the plate, again, numbers speak for itself last year. It was hitting 327, three homers, eight ribbies. But more so is this, guys. Had 49 ABs, only struck out six times. I mean, this guy is almost a guaranteed 3-2 count every time he steps in the box. I would probably say the toughest overall hitter in that South Carolina lineup. I, I really believe so. And I think there's a reason. I, I've got Brady Allen hitting the two-hole starting out the season. I, I think he's going to be a two-hole guy. And I think, and I, I think he could be a leadoff guy. Just because of he is a dude at the top of that lineup that makes pitchers work. Like, he's not going to beat himself up there. He's not going to beat himself. He's going to make you throw. You're going to have to throw the perfect pitch to get him out. He's going to battle you. He's going to battle you. And he's going to swing at his pitch. He's going to wait for you to make a mistake and take advantage. Brady Allen, I, I mean, extremely, I, I definitely without a question, the most disciplined hitter in the Gamecocks lineup. Without question, the best plate discipline on this Gamecocks baseball team. And again, the entire body work. I mean, it's right there. It's splitting hairs. Andrew Eister is a phenomenal ball player as well. But I don't know. I look at a guy like Brady Allen and also one of the leaders of this team. Again, this is a guy that's been there a while. He's been there since day one with Mark Kingston. Really came on the scene as a true freshman. Played a lot of great innings for South Carolina, like I said. But a really well-rounded baseball player. And a guy I look at is like truly a dirt bag. You know, this is a dude that gets after. He plays the game the right way. And uh, he's just a nightmare. You know, we, we, you know, when I played ball, you hated facing guys like Brady Allen. Just that, that pest that just won't go away. Just will not go away. You know, he's going to make you work. He's going, he's going to make you beat him. He will give you nothing. And again, that's what makes Brady Allen to me, especially in the box, so successful. Again, I think the glove speaks for itself. This is a guy um, has great range out there in right and has got actually got a pretty good arm for a right fielder. But at the plate, what he provides in the lineup, and I think the leadership as well, and a guy that sets the tone at the top of that lineup, I love Brady Allen's game. Absolutely love Brady Allen's game. And I, I think he, he, is, he is set up for a massive season in 2021. By the way, has been smoking the baseball in the scrimmages. Been smoking the baseball. Everything he hits, it feels like is hard. I mean, everything. Everything. So... Best overall for me, no question, Brady Allen. Really excited to see what he does in this 2021 season. Let's get into season will be successful if. 
And this one, guys, I'm going away from Brady Allen, Brandon Fields, Andrew Eister. I mentioned him a little bit earlier in the show, and I've talked about him on a couple of different position unit previews, but this is the one where I think he lands. Because the real question is this. We know for a fact the corners are set. Eister and Allen, that's, that's a given. Who is the starting center fielder? Is it Noah Myers? Is it Brandon Fields? Is it Braylon Wimmer? Is it somebody else? Braylon Wimmer's a guy who's been working out there a lot, and they really like him in center. And again, if I had to predict right now, which I'll predict next week, I think he is your starting center fielder going into the 2021 season into opening day, if you will. So for me, the season will be successful if Braylon Wimmer assumes the starting center field role. If he can capture that, again, he's going to get the opportunity early in the season. If he can capture that and you give yourself a solid left, center, right, starting three, week in, week out, you're going to be in a really good position. You're going to be in a really good spot. And again, from what I've seen from Braylon Wimmer in center, dude has hella range. He's extremely fast. Um, you know, nothing's falling with Braylon Wimmer out there. I think all three of the guys, by the way, I think all three of the options between Myers, Fields, and Wimmer, they're all great defenders. All three of them are plus options defensively. No question in my mind. The big thing, though, is you've got to hit. You have to hit. In college baseball, you got to hit. This lineup is no different. The guy that hits will be in the lineup. They're going to find the nine best hitters to put in the lineup. And Braylon Wimmer has been that guy. Through what I've seen, again, in the scrimmages, the inner squad, the, the, the thing I love about Wimmer is this, too, guys. You watch this dude again. He's 6'4". He's so long. And, and I saw an at-bat he had against Julian Bosnick, the lefty. He was probably going to be a weekend starter for you. And he threw a changeup. And it was probably low. I don't think it was even a strike. And you just saw him, them, those long arms, reach down and, like, golf that thing in a left field for a base hit. I mean, it looked like he was swinging a 42-inch bat. But that's just the length he has. He can cover the entire plate. He can cover up, down, in, out, whatever. No pitch too tough. So, again, if Braylon Wimmer can, you know, he's going to get the opportunity. If he can assume that starting role, if he can take that starting center field role, and, again, you give yourself a solid left, center, right, you know exactly who your guys are. And, again, they'll switch them up for sure. But I'm saying, like, you have that basis. You have that foundation of those guys. It's going to be a really, really talented outfield group. Really talented outfield group. So, again, season will be successful if Braylon Wimmer assumes the starting center field role. And that leads us into the overall grade for the Gamecocks outfielders heading into opening day. If you can't tell, I am very high on the outfielders. Again, I think the, the pair of Allen and Eisters is one of the best duos left-right that you're going to see in college baseball. I, I love those two guys' games. Again, I think Eister probably falls somewhere in the five-hole. I think Allen in the two-hole. Again, I, I talked about Brady Allen, what he is, the type of challenge he presents at the plate. And then Eister, I think, is a guy that could easily could and should hit double-digit homers. You know, I think Eister, uh, Malone, and Clark are going to be your three guys that are going to be pushing each other to see who can lead this team in home runs. And then again, it comes back to the center field position. And I'll say this, man, if Brandon Fields gets it figured out, love his talent, love his athleticism, love the tools he has. Noah Myers, we saw what he did last year. Heck, like I said, guys, this is a guy that hit 324 for you. I mean, and get, hey, seven for eight with stolen bases. Guy's got hella speed. 
But to me, Braylon Wimmer, I think he's the complete package against 6'4", super long, extremely fast, can cover ground in center field and then at the plate. I think he's probably your leadoff guy. With that speed that he has, I think Wimmer's probably your leadoff guy, and I think he will take over that center field role. And again, I think you will see Fields and Myers play a ton. But, uh, you know, I, I feel pretty confident with this group of guys you have in the outfit. I'm giving the overall grade an A-. minus. And again, the only reason I give an A- minus is because, like I said, there's a little bit of a question in center. There's a little bit of a question in center. But um, I, I feel really, really, really good about this group. I, I think this is probably one of the best outfields in the SEC. I, I really do. And, uh, you know, I'll be damned if anything falls. I mean, like I said, the I, I don't know what I'm more excited about, at the plate or defensively. Because, again, these dudes can cover some ground. These dudes can absolutely cover some ground. So, again, A-minus overall grade for the outfielders. Uh, really, really excited. Really excited for this crop of ball players. So, all right, let's get into your listener questions, guys, and then we'll dive into our interview. Um, we'll start. Krusty Andy. What do you think about our quarterback room compared to the last years, better or worse? I would say about the same. It's tough to say that yet because we don't know what Jason Brown's going to be. We don't know what type of impact Colton Gothier will have early. Um, you know, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. And you know, I, I thought the quarterback room with uh, Ryan Holinsky and Luke Doty and, and even Colin Hill I thought was very deep, very good. Um, I'd say even. I'd say even until you find out what Jason Brown can give you. Good question, though. Really good question. Uh, Jack Phillips, 30. Will Ortre be a standout? Man, Ortre's got to be healthy. I, that's the biggest thing. Could he be? Sure. But he's got to be healthy, man. I, I, I'm just, I'm very hesitant to project or predict anything for Ortre Smith until he shows he can get healthy and play. I mean, that's the, and it, you know, I feel for the kid for sure because I think he's had stuff like almost genetic stuff in like his knees or whatever, but he's got to get healthy. That's the biggest thing. I would say this to fans, and maybe you won't like this answer, but I would say don't put any expectations on Ortre Smith until he shows he can be healthy and, and contribute. I, I just, you know, I see fans, you know, getting getting their expectations and hopes all high that, oh, my God, or, Ortre Smith's going to be a baller, this, that. I mean, guys, yeah, he had some nice moments in 2018 or what was it, 17? Yeah, 2017, guys. He had nice moments in 2017. The dude hadn't played in three years. Why do we, you know, why do we think that, that was 17, correct? Yes, that's when he was a true freshman, 2007. I mean, that's crazy. It's been that long since he's really done anything. So let's let's just wait and see if this dude can even get on the field. And then we'll go from there. JC underscore Heath is seven, eight wins possible if Doty or Jason Brown can play average combined with Harris Lloyd duo. I, I mean, listen, it's possible. I think I think seven and five is is doable. Past seven wins to me is is, is a little aggressive. I think it's a little aggressive for Shane Beamer in his first year, but uh Listen, yeah, I, I think seven and five is doable. No question. I think it is doable. So, last question. Hampton underscore Watson. Will Muschamp versus Shane Beamer arm wrestling match? Who wins? I got to go Beamer, man. I, I can't give Muschamp any credit for anything. Yeah, I, I got to go Beamer. I think Beamer uh, puts up a hell of a fight, and I think Muschamp 
Muschamp realizes halfway through the uh, the arm wrestling match he, he can get paid get paid to leave early, and he, he takes the buyout and runs, and, and Beamer wins by default. So give me Shane Beamer in the uh, in the arm wrestling match. So again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We have a fantastic interview, by the way. And like I said, this wraps up the position unit previews for Gamecocks baseball, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. All If you want to go back and listen, again, we've been doing this the last three weeks or so, I think maybe even four weeks. You can go tune in, broke down every single position unit for South Carolina baseball. And like I said, on Tuesday of next week, I will be doing the full season preview show for Carolina baseball. I'm talking again, projecting the starting lineup, the pitching staff. I'll give my overall predictions for the season, some fun projections as well. Really, really fun stuff on Tuesday. Now, like I said, guys, don't go anywhere. We have a great conversation, great interview. A guy, again, some of you may not be familiar with, unless you're a diehard Gamecock baseball fan. John Pancella, a dude who was a catcher, was the bullpen catcher for South Carolina baseball from 2015 to 2018. But when you hear his story, you hear the impact he made and the way people talk about this dude and the way his teammates speak so highly of him was a guy I knew we had to get on the show and his story did not disappoint, folks. So, again, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate the love, support. Thank you, guys, so much for sharing the content, consuming the content, showing love to the content. It means the world, guys, and thank you so much for tuning in today. Now, don't go anywhere. Enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks baseball player John Pancella. All right, joining us in the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2015 to 2018. During his time at South County, he was a bullpen catcher, played for both Chad Holbrook and Mark Kingston. But if you ask anybody around Gamecock baseball, an invaluable piece, an irreplaceable piece for South County baseball during his time there, also a former assistant baseball coach at Middle Tennessee State, very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks baseball player John Pancella. John, appreciate you taking the time, and it is a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Glad we were able to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Huge fan of the show. It's good to be on here. Absolutely. So, John, before we get into, you know, your actual time in the Garnet and Black, again, I know we were about to talk off air about everything that happened, but tell me just kind of like your journey, like your baseball journey, how things came about, how you got on the team at South Carolina. Of course, again, you know, you grew up pretty much same as I, right in the prime of 2010 to 12, watching Gamecock baseball do what they did in Omaha. And um, obviously, you become a part of the club in 2015. Just Talk about that entire story, that journey, and how that came about that, uh, you know, you made your way to Columbia. Yeah, it, it's pretty funny the kind of way it came all about. Um, you know, I, I'm from New Jersey, uh, right outside of Philadelphia, and uh, it actually all started with my brother. My brother was a graduate assistant for the football team during the uh, the glory years. So um, I remember going to the Alabama game when, mm. when they were number one in the country, being at uh, Williams Bryce, and I think I was a – sophomore in high school at the time so that was really my first taste of Columbia and kind of fell in love with it um you know was a pretty good baseball player but by no means was a was an SEC guy I was pretty realistic about that um you know had some looks from some division two schools division three schools in the northeast but um yeah really the way it came about was I'd actually caught two big leaguers in high school um and one of which was pretty heavily recruited by South Carolina so um you know, he made a call for me and got me in touch with Coach Esposito and uh, some other people in Columbia. And it's kind of the, the whole way it came about. At that time, I didn't really know much about being a bullpen catcher. Um, but, you know, it was an opportunity to to be at South Carolina, be a part of a special program. And um, I didn't know what to expect, but I know it was, you know, some of the best years of my life and um, an awesome experience. 
Yeah, I was going to ask, when you got there in 15, did you, did you know what your role was going to be? It sounded like you were pretty self-aware in regards to, like, what your role was going to be on the team. For sure. Uh, you know, Devin had gotten me in touch with, with some people in Columbia. Um, the first person I talked to was director of baseball operations, Tyson Lusk, and um, very honest with me from the start. You know, I was a left-handed hitting catcher, a little bit undersized. By no means um, was I really, the, you know, the SEC prototype. Um, but, you know, it was an opportunity for, you know, they were going to help me pay for my school. And, um, you know, again, I, I, I went to Omaha in 2012, I guess it was. So, um, you know, I knew how special that program was. And, you know, for me, I, I was kind of ready to be done playing. Um, wasn't a pro guy, um, loved playing, you know, had a really good senior year, fortunate to be around a lot of really good players, but, um, but yeah, they, they were very honest with me from, from the start as to what that role was going to look like. You never know until you get there. Mm. Um, but I remember getting there, you know, had a locker set up and, um, you know, probably the best four years of my life. So <laughs> for sure. I, I want to ask you, John, of course, like we were talking off air, obviously, uh, coach Chad Holbrook graced the airwaves, which was an absolutely electric conversation if you haven't listened to it, but, uh, was able to talk to Coach Holbrook, and I, I will tell you this. That was my first time actually speaking to him, and, and I've had a lot of – I'm sure you've seen a lot of his former players on, a lot of your former teammates, and uh, everybody speaks highly of him. I mean, everybody. Everybody has nothing but great things to say about Coach Holbrook, and, um, you know, a lot of guys attribute where they are in their career now or their successes to Coach Holbrook. And obviously we know what he did. You know, people, I think, tend to forget that he was on this – literally a, a – main cog of those staffs that won the back-to-back titles and went three years in a row but I'll ask you obviously you know my point was getting to chat with him I can understand why you know hearing the type of dude he is and just the the way we were able to conversate freely and um him even being willing to come on the show but your relationship with Chad Holbrook obviously you spent a couple of years with him um what was that like I guess what were those interactions like with uh coach Holbrook coach Holbrook was awesome um you know a really good experience with him for three years um you know I think you know, he, he really is a genuine guy. Um, you know, he treated me, you know, with the utmost respect, you know, I still keep in touch with coach Holbrook. Um, you know, I remember watching, you know, Reese shag fly balls in the outfield, you know, getting to know his kids. I mean, the, the culture that we had there when, when he was the coach was, was strong, you know, it, it was, uh, unbelievable guy. And, you know, the, the whole staff was, was really, you know, treated the players with, with the utmost respect. It was a, it was an enjoyable experience coming to the stadium every day. And, um, you know, obviously when, you know, going through a coaching change, it was tough because I think Sawyer may have, had mentioned it on the show, but, um, you know, I think everyone kind of feels like, you know, when something comes to an end, you, you wish you could have done more. And, uh, you know, it was, but in terms of experience, um, in terms of Coach Holbrook as a person, um, awesome guy. He, he was uh, nothing but unbelievable to me. And honestly, I think he's, he's a big reason why I was able to get into coaching. Um, you know, he, uh, he went out of his way for me. And, uh, you know, I'm forever indebted to him for that. Yeah, I definitely want to get into the coaching change stuff in a little bit because, again, I, I was able – I think Tyler Johnson also gave great perspective on that, like you said, when he was – when he was taking accountability and ownership and said, if I would have done more, I'm like, well, that's how you know you're a great player when you have that mentality, honestly. That's how you know you're a competitor. But let, let's go back again to – I'm curious because I, I was a pitcher in college, so I understand the value of a bullpen catcher or just a catcher in general. But it's funny, yeah. I was reading this article, and it's talking about you, you caught over 100,000 pitches 
yeah. more than 40 players. And you think of all of the <clears throat> all of the arms that were at South Carolina when you were there. I mean, we're talking about guys in the big leagues that are, you know, touching the big leagues, going to the big leagues. You know, Will Crow, a guy I talked to, Clark Schmidt, you know, Adam Hill. I mean, you know, 2017, some people regarded that was the best – that was going to be the best staff ever. I mean, that, that started yeah. rotation. Like, just yeah. talk about that. Again, you, you, you obviously caught big league guys or that type of level in high school. But, I mean, you know, you obviously – you caught some damn good arms, my friend. There's no question about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was fortunate. Again, uh, I think I mentioned it before, but Devin Smeltzer and Zach Allen are two guys. Zach went on to pitch at North Carolina, was a third-round draft pick. Um, Devin Smeltzer was a junior college guy, but a fifth rounder. They're both pitching big leagues now. So I came to South Carolina with, um, you know, being fortunate to catch some guys, but you get to South Carolina and it, I mean, it's, it's 15 deep. I mean, it, it, uh, special. And, you know, what comes to mind is, you know, obviously Will Crow and Clark Schmidt, I mean, the ball coming out of their hand was, <laughs> was special. I mean, Schmidt slider was, um, you know, it, it didn't do the same thing two times in a row. I remember that out against Michigan State, and we're watching from the bullpen, and that night he probably could have told them what was coming, and it, his stuff was that electric. But, um, you know, the thing that I think I look back on is probably the guys that um, some people in, in Columbia probably forget about. I mean, I think when, when I left uh, as a senior uh, – that 2017 team, you know, Reed Scott was fourth all time in appearances. Josh Reagan was top five all time in appearances. I mean, those were those were some older guys that um, not that people forgot about on that 2017 team, because, you know, that year didn't end the way that we wanted it to. But, um, you know, there was a lot of really, really special arms on that staff that um, in addition to the big leaguers, you know, Tyler Johnson was, you know, you might not ever see another guy come come along at, at Carolina like yeah. that. I mean, so, but yeah, it, in terms of depth, it was uh, remarkable. Yeah, it was funny when I asked Tyler what the best pitch in baseball. He said a hundred mile an hour fastball. So we'll tell we can't all throw a hundred. So yeah. yeah, no wonder you say that. But uh, I, I want to ask you specifically, John, about that 2016 season because again, I know you get there in 15. Kind of an interesting year that year, a lot of injuries, but 16, it's interesting. A lot of the guys, a lot of your former teammates that I've talked to, they say that's the most fun year of baseball they've ever had. Like that group of guys, obviously you guys went really deep, um, ran into a really good Oklahoma State team in the Super Regionals. But again, you know, you get to the Supers, you had a you had a pretty good year. I mean, it, let's let's give credit where credit's due. You know, I, I know fans, it's Omaha or nothing, but, you know, you got – and you guys, I believe, won the East that year, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Really good year. Really, really yep. good year. And a really good team, a lot of good players. Talk about that 2016 season a little bit. Yeah, I think the thing with that 2016 team was, uh, you know, watching the roster kind of completely change from one year to the next. Um, you know, I remember getting getting back to campus in August and, you know, Dom Thompson-Williams, his locker was right near mine. So I got to know Dom really well. And John Jones was a transfer from a Florida junior college. And Braden Webb was a 21-year-old freshman that, you know, <laughs> came in and right away I think he punched out 130 guys as a freshman um but in terms of talent um you know that group I think I think where we really knew that we had something that could you know make a little bit of run was probably that Ole Miss series you know I think it was the second weekend of SEC play Ole Miss was a top 10 team um not an open seat in the house all weekend and we went there and we took three um you know, I think we, we kind of got back on, on the bus and 
realized, man, you know, we might be able to, to make a little bit of a run. And, uh, you know, I will say this, that the feeling in the locker room going into that super regional against Oklahoma state, um, we felt really good. Um, you know, we, we were, you know, the SEC East champs, you know, we had just, uh, got up off the mat in the regional after dropping the first one to Rhode Island. And, um, you know, it, confidence definitely was not an issue. We just, you know, I think Thomas Hatch started on Friday night for Oklahoma State. He was the third rounder, Big 12 player of the year and uh, just ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw. But, yeah. uh, you know, that that was a really fun team and, uh, you know, a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, switching gears a little bit, just just hearing you speak, I, I'm not surprised that you were a coach or gotten a coaching. And, and, you you know, it's well documented that, again, you know, your role at South Carolina – <clears throat> was well-defined, but uh, you made a major impact, a lasting impact, an impact that people that were associated with you, your teammates, coaches still talk about. And, and obviously, again, being a bullpen catcher, but just being a catcher in general, like the relationship that you have with – I mean, I, you, you know, pitchers are head cases, right? I mean, especially some of them, some of them more than others. But uh, what do you think – because obviously, you know, I, I read up on you and it talks about how <clears throat> you were like another pitching coach on the field. That was something Skylar Mead said. And you were like another coach on the field, like that calming voice, if you were like, what What do you think, what characteristics do you think made you so good at that? Like being such a, a, a like I said, another coach on the field. Like where did that come from for you? Uh, I think the most important thing for me was, was being around really good coaches and really good players. Um, and, and I'm assuming at this time you knew you wanted to coach. I mean, you knew that was I, something you would like I to did. do. Um, probably halfway through my time in South Carolina was really where I thought, you know, maybe, maybe this is what I want to do with my career. Right. Um, I had a really good relationship with coach Jerry Myers, um, who was yeah. had two different stints at South Carolina was the head coach at old dominion in between. Um, you know, and he's someone I, I still look up to, you know, still pick his brain for advice. And he, he's a big reason why I got into coaching. Um, we transitioned from coach Myers to coach Mead and, have a great relationship with coach Mead too. So in terms of characteristics, I would say, I, you know, I, I'm just fortunate that I got to experience, you know, two different coaching staffs, um, you know, different ways of doing things and all had a really good impact on my life and my, you know, early coaching career. Um, but the players too, I mean, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me in four years at South Carolina and um, the coaches were phenomenal, but, the guys who took initiative of their career were the guys who had, you know, uncapped success. Uh, Johnson and Schmidt are, are two guys that I look at in terms of that. Those are two guys that came in as freshmen, pitched a little bit. Um, but, you know, they took it. They took the bull by the horns in terms of their careers. And I think for me, you know, seeing that as a bullpen catcher, it helped me as a coach. You know, you, you just want to put guys in, in position to be successful and, kind of let them take over a little bit hmm. for sure now John I want to jump ahead again switching gears that 2017 season like you said was didn't go the way you guys wanted and it's crazy because I remember that season vividly you guys came in that year preseason top five in the country again people were saying this is the best pitching staff of, of all time at South Carolina best best starting rotation I mean and you think back there's some validity I mean Schmidt Crow Hill I mean that's that's as deep as you're going to get Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And most, even the best college baseball teams, I, you know, I tell fans, a lot of them come in and Sunday's kind of unsure. You, you really don't know who your true Sunday guy, like that wasn't an issue with that team. Like you knew who all three of your guys were. And again, we see what they're doing now. But 
injuries, bad luck, ball didn't bounce your way again. I've talked to a lot of your former teammates, and they've all talked about it. And obviously what happened with the season, the expectations at South Carolina are we are. We talked to Chad Holbrook about that. And the change was made to, you know, hire Mark Kingston. Just Again, I, I know that had to be tough for you and tough for the team as well because, again, this is a guy you guys had all built a bond with, and it's nothing against Coach Kingston or any of the new staff because I think they've done a great job. And I know we're all really looking forward to Carolina baseball this year for sure, but – just talk about the difficulties and the struggle and how tough that was when, when you got the news that Coach Holbert wouldn't be coming back. Yeah, I can say that that, uh, that 2017 season was probably the toughest year um, of any season of baseball I've had in my life. Um, you know, just the – you could feel, you know, you, you try to block out the outside noise, but, you know, I remember someone telling me early on when I got to South Carolina, but, you know, that program's covered like a professional team. You know, there, there's for, – for certain guys, there's media obligations. and um, But, you know, before the season, if you would have asked me, I would have said that there's a better chance of us winning a national championship with that roster than there was us not making the postseason. I mean, it was – there was a lot of confidence that we had. You know, we had just come off going to a Super Regional and – um, everyone was coming back. Like you said, that, that pitching staff was unbelievable. And the lineup was, was old, you know, we had, we had veteran guys and it was a good mix of old and young, but, um, you know, that's baseball. It, it, it was not, a it was not one thing, you know, there, there was some misfortune, um, you know, and it, it's just kind of, it's, it's crazy the way it turned out. I remember there was, you know, it seemed like every single weekend it was Sunday in the seventh, the eighth or the ninth. Yeah. And we had to find a way to collect outs. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's tough when you're putting your pitchers in that, in that position. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, Clark went down, Chris Cullen was battling a bad knee. Um, you know, there's a lot of things you can point to, but um, just overall, just, just really tough. And, you know, obviously with that culminating in a coaching change, you never want to see that. I mean, that, those were the coaches that, that I, you know, came in with and coach Esposito, coach Myers, coach Bush, coach late. Um, you know, you just never want to see, I mean, I didn't really understand it until I got into coaching, but you really have a greater appreciation for that's their livelihood. I mean, that's what, that's what they're doing for a living. They have kids and, um, but yeah, it, it was, it was a really tough year. We, we had, really good players and um it just didn't work out and uh you know really if you look back you know we made a little bit of a run in that sec tournament i think we got to saturday and just ran out of gas a little bit but um probably looking back it it was not more so um what the body of work was it was kind of how it went down you know we lost eight straight series um so tough season for sure but I'm curious to get your take, John, again, whenever there's a coaching change, <clears throat> there's certainly uncertainty with everybody on the roster. Uh, some guys more than others, because, you know, you're not one of their players. You know what I mean? Like, right. you, you don't know, you don't know how, you know, this guy may come in and say, Hey, you're garbage cutting you boom. That, that's it. You know what I mean? There's no, really no conversation. Was there ever concern for you? You're like, I mean, I'm the bullpen catcher. Like, what is this guy? You know what? I don't know this guy. He don't know me. Like, is he going to see me as an asset? Like, I mean, did you ever have, any concerns, I guess, when, when that was going down? 100%. I mean, you know, I, I was pretty realistic. You know, I was a, uh, you know, there was a ton of people on campus that, that probably would have done my job, you know, or maybe <laughs> didn't see that as, as something that uh, they wanted to do. It was a new staff and they had 
they had every right to come in and, and, and do what they wanted to do with the program. Um, I remember coach Myers when, when it was announced that, that he was going to stay on staff. Um, that was big for me. I, you know, we had a really good relationship and, um, I remember him, you know, bringing me to coach Kingston's office and kind of, you know, I remember, I'll never forget, you know, shaking his hand for the first time. And it was, um, you know, you could tell it was all business, you know, right from the jump. And, uh, that motivated me a little bit, you know, being a part of that program because, you know, I was a senior at the time and uh, a lot of change going on around the program. Things looked a little different. Uh, practice was structured a little different, but, you know, it kind of motivated me that, you know, this is something new and I'm going to be a part of this. And, um, but yeah, definitely uh, that summer, you know, you're following the coaching search and there was a lot of names thrown around that summer and, uh, you know, you're trying to follow who's going to be the next guy. And um, but, yeah, very fortunate the way that it uh, transpired in terms of being able to to be a part of the program and um, obviously had a ton of success in 2018. Yeah, I, I want to ask you first about Coach Kingston, specifically Skylar Mead, his entire staff. And like you said, it's, uh, you know, I think from the outside perspective, people see Coach Kingston, they definitely see a, a, a business like stern, you know, mentality. Like he, he's an intimidating dude, you know what I mean? Which is a positive, I think, for us. But uh, yeah, just those those interactions with Kingston, that first team meeting, I guess, like the you talked about that. I mean, there's a great culture, I think, under Coach, Coach Holbrook, but the culture shift, you know, we all know, I, you know, on, on the field, I think it's obvious, you know, much more analytical. I think he definitely brought the analytical side of things. And, you know, I'd say they did a pretty good good job in that first year. I mean, you saw a couple of guys I really thought re revitalized their careers at Carolina. I mean, I think the, the guy that just jumps out to me is Madison Stokes. I mean, that dude blew up in 2018, the type of year he had. But just the overall change from Holbrook to Kingston, getting to know Kingston, like kind of give fans an idea like what he's like, I guess, behind closed doors on the practice field on game day, stuff like that. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about Coach Kingston. I think it's uh, it's kind of funny that the perception is, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, absolutely there's a business-like mentality, but um, Coach Kingston's very down-to-earth. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he'd have us over his house for a Super Bowl party, and, you know, he would crack some jokes, too. He's uh, He's got a great personality, but, you know, that whole staff, uh, um, you know, really, I think there's another guy that jumps out in terms of having a great senior year was Hunter Taylor. I mean, yeah. I remember oh, yeah. seeing Hunter – you know, almost brought to tears. That's how much pain he was in, in that super regional. And, um, you know, he, he probably had the best year of his career there. So there's a lot of guys who really, uh, Justin Rowe too. I think that's one that jumped Justin out. Rowe, yeah. I mean, those, those were, we were, uh, you know, we were young, but there was a lot of, you know, Matt Williams was playing a lot of innings at first base. That was a, a, a senior led team that, um, I think it's a big credit to coach Kingston and that staff that came in and, um, you know, it, it, they kind of let us, you know, create the identity. I'll, I'll never forget um, the one thing about that staff that I'll never forget is, uh, you know, after that Presbyterian game, um, I remember being in the bullpen. It was Sawyer, Eddie Demurius, and I, and we're watching, you know, their, their chant, Presbyterian fans are chanting in Columbia. It was, you know, probably one of the worst experiences yeah. in my four years there. And uh, we had a team meeting that next day and coach Kingston got up and um, you know, he let the staff speak, you know, he, he, I remember coach couch getting up there and saying, you know, we charter flights for you guys. We, we, we feed you good. You know, we haven't earned any of that. And I, I think that that, 
you know, said a lot to us, you know, as players was, you know, we're all in this together a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that, that stuck with me a little bit because, you know, we were awfully privileged there in South Carolina in the facilities second to none, you know, we, we were chartering flights, staying in the nicest hotels, but, um, sometimes you got to take a step back a little bit and realize, you know, what the opportunity is that you have. And I think that from that point on, whether it was Madison Stokes or LT Tolbert or Hunter Taylor, any of those guys, Hopkins, I mean, Hopkins was a leader on that team as a junior, but, um, you know, I think we, it opened our eyes a little bit. And I think that's a huge credit to coach Kingston and that whole staff coach current coach Mead. Um, you know, they, they did a phenomenal job and it was, uh, it was really a, a fun team to be a part of because, you know, we were kind of all in it together. We didn't, we kind of, you know, had to grow together a little bit. It was new for all of us and, um, you know, an unbelievable experience ending obviously in a, in a super regional trip. Yeah, it's for sure. I've, I've talked to a lot of guys about that, uh, that, that Presbyterian game and, uh, kind of just what coach Kingston said afterwards. It doesn't sound like it was very pleasant. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I can't, no, was, I can't get an actual transcript. I, I don't think that would be uh airwaves I, I, appropriate. We'll put it that way. I don't know if the transcript can really be released, but <laughs> all I can say is that there was a lot of different voices in there from the coaching staff, coach Lake, and uh, all of it was ad- awesome. Well, recepted and just very real. I mean, it was, uh, you know, that's a point that a lot of us kind of look back on and say, you know, it, it you know, kickstarted us a little bit. I, I think we, we had LSU at home that weekend and um, came back from from being down. And, you know, I think we swept LSU yeah, at swept home. Them, yeah. and, uh, Huge series win. Huge. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, but uh, again, a, a lot of a lot of credit goes to those guys. Coach Mead, especially, you know, being coming in in November didn't know the staff, you know, I remember not knowing coach Mead and, you know, hearing him, you know, all the, that whole staff deserves a whole lot of credit and, you know, looking forward to seeing what they're able to do this year. Yeah. And it's crazy. I mean, you you just think how that season started and then how it went, you guys make the run to, you know, you go to the ECU regional, no problem. Just get through that. Danny Blair, by the way, another big piece of that team, he hit the home run against Ohio state. I'll never forget that. Huge home run, not necessarily known as a home run hitter, but got a hold of one. And uh, you guys beat Ohio State and then take care of business against Wilmington and East Carolina in their place. And, you know, from people I've talked to, I've actually never been to Greenville, but I've heard that is a rowdy environment to play a baseball game. And South Carolina's got history there. I mean, we Carolina's got history there, losing, losing there, by the way. So getting that win there was sweet. Um, Just talk about that regional, going through that. And then I love, obviously, the the favorite story from everyone is – and I will say, I want to mention, I saw the, the exchange between uh, between you and Sawyer on Twitter, and he told the story about, he's like, I had no clue if I was going to throw like 78 or 90, and he went out there, and he's like, through the first pitch, it was 76, I think, or something on the gun. He's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, uh, no, you know, and then the favorite story, of course, is that you guys didn't dogpile, made it a point, like, this is not, you know, we expected to win. We're expecting to win. We're, we're, yeah. we're expecting to go to Omaha, which I think speaks to Carolina baseball and the culture and the tradition. But that run to the, the region, I'll give you the floor. Just kind of describe that. Yeah, first things first, Danny Blair, one of my all-time favorite teammates. So seeing him have some success there, you know, was awesome. That was a that was a moment that we'll we'll never forget being in the bullpen, that three-run homer. But yeah, that whole regional was uh was special. I mean, there was a feeling there. I remember practicing there before before the regional started and uh 
we expected to win. I mean, and it, it, it's funny, it, you know, from a, from a team standpoint, you know, that was a pretty tough regional, you know, Ohio state was pretty good. They had a closer who was an all American and East Carolina was, you know, built like an sec team. That was no, but the atmosphere was unbelievable. And uh, it's funny, you know, we were kind of running on fumes a little bit as a bullpen, you know, Sawyer had thrown a lot of innings late. Eddie Demurius was kind of the guy at that point, Lawson. And uh, it was a group effort, you know, from a, from my standpoint, it was kind of funny because that was the the first time when really you had to, you know, I remember Sawyer's warming up and I'm like, you know, <laughs> he might have it today, you know, and, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta let him know, Hey, you know, you're going to be all right, go in there and, and do your job. And Lawson was the same way. I mean, he, it felt like every outing he had was, you know, one run outing or, right. you know, close games that he was coming into, but yeah, an, an awesome experience that regional um, you know, the Ohio State game coming back from down to nothing. And, um, you know, we were fortunate to break that open a little bit. But, yeah, it was uh, it was a really cool experience. And, uh, you know, I, I can definitely agree with the fact that I think it was LT who kind of took the uh, took the reins on that in terms of the no dog pile. But um, just a, a really good weekend. And I think the one that kind of goes under the radar a little bit is Cody Morris's performance against East Carolina. I mean, that was uh, that was as sharp as I had seen him. And I mean, that down the stretch, you know, he, he was, he was just about lights out. I mean, I, so a lot of guys deserve a lot of credit for that weekend, but um, you know, it was definitely a, uh, a good experience. Now we talked about the daunting environment that is Greenville, but you guys, it was topped in the supers at bomb um, at Arkansas an incredible. And, and you guys had gone there previously in the season and gave them a hell of a series I think lost two out of three but three really close games three really really close games but go there for the supers again take them to a game three and that's a team I think you'd probably agree they probably should have won the national title if not for a kind of a mess up on a pop-up or whatever you know whatever I know that still haunts them to this day but a, a a truly national title caliber team you guys take them to game three you know maybe ran out of arms a little bit I mean you had to throw a freshman Carmen Majinski out there and I mean it's just you know, what can you do? But anyway, they're a really good team. But just talk about that Super Regional. Again, that crowd was insane. I mean, we all remember seeing them on TV, and I've heard stories of what the fans were yelling. And again, being in that truly that that Super Regional environment, when people talk about that, you know, that that lived up to the building. And again, you guys, again, you had nothing to hang your head about because taking them, like you said, to three games, you know Omaha's the expectation. But, I mean, after the way the season started especially, I'm sure you guys had a lot of perspective of just how special that – that run in 2018 was yeah I mean between uh between going to Greenville for the regional and then Fayetteville for the super um when you talk about electric atmospheres I mean those were those were the two I mean you some of the stuff and they were great they were great fans I mean they weren't always uh they weren't always all that nice to you warming up but (laughs) unbelievable fans very respectful you know just love their team but yeah I mean it was uh it was an unbelievable atmosphere. And, uh, you know, that Arkansas series, I remember when we went there earlier in the year, we played them, we had beaten them on Friday night. Um, great game. Jonah bride made an absolutely unbelievable play coming in on a ball at third, uh, to win us that I think it was three, two. And then a little bit of, you know, an unfortunate thing we had to play them. It was like 38 degrees, freezing cold, uh, windy and we played them in two sevens and I don't think we scored a run. I mean, it was, um, it was tough. 
it was tough. So going back there, um, I, I think somebody had thrown us a stat. It was maybe SEC Network, but I think Arkansas that year at home was like 30 and two. And we were one of the losses or, <laughs> you know, one of the teams that had beaten them. So, um, you know, there was a little bit of an underdog mentality, which at South Carolina, you don't you don't have that all that much. Right. right. Uh, but but going there, you know, it felt like a little bit of an us against the world mentality. And, you know, to take them to game three, I, you know, I'll never forget lining up you know, for the anthem, you know, we were 27 outs away and, uh, you know, the ball didn't go our way and, um, Carmen competed. Yeah. Um, you know, he got squeezed a little bit early on. There was a couple of close calls and, you know, with that lineup, you know, it, it can get out of hand quick and, uh, you know, probably one of the, the tougher experiences in, in my career was, you know, walking off the field that day, you know, we watched the, we watched the celebration because we had some guys with, some media obligations that we waited for. And, you know, we left the field as a team. I remember, you know, shaking coach Kingston's hand, um, shaking coach Anderson's hand, our strength coach, and, um, you know, just telling him, thank you. You know, it was, uh, it was not what we wanted. You know, we wanted to go to Omaha. We wanted to have a chance to, to win a national championship, but it was a heck of a run. And, uh, you know, just felt like that team ran out of gas a little bit, you know, it was, uh, but, we got the most out of that team. That's for sure. Um, but you know, crazy atmosphere and, uh, awesome experience. Yeah. And, and like you said, tip the cap to Arkansas. That was a loaded ball club. Again, it, no, no shame, no shame at all. And, in, in, in the, you know, again, going to three games. And then I, I remember specifically when it went to game three, they threw up the stat, like you said, South Carolina was the only team that season to beat Arkansas twice at their place. The only yep. team. So that tells you a little bit, like you said, how good they were, um, Lo at home. So I, I want to jump into John, obviously you were uh, an assistant baseball coach at Middle Tennessee state um, for a little bit. I, I just give you the floor, kind of talk about your coaching experience. Cause again, you, you talked about that was something the second half of your career in Columbia, you thought maybe you'd like to do, you'd be good at, you obviously go and coach there. Just talk about that experience, what you learned from it, what, what, uh, what you take away from your time there. Yeah. Again, it, it's another one. It's kind of funny the way it worked out. Um, you know, the, the plan was for me as a senior, I was going to go to grad school in Columbia. Uh, I was going to stay on as a graduate assistant. They had just passed a rule in the SEC where, you know, you could stay on, take some classes. There were some restrictions with what you could do coaching wise um, in terms of recruiting. But, you know, essentially you could stay on staff. And, uh, you know, again, I, I give Coach Kingston, um, you know, forever appreciative to him for giving me that opportunity Um you know, he, he said, John, you know, we, we want to keep you here, you know, so it uh, starts with saying thank you to him um, for giving me an opportunity to stay on staff. And um, those guys were, were nothing but good to me and gave me an opportunity to get into coaching. Um, as that year went on, um, I remember I got a phone call. Our, our assistant coach, Coach Lake, was, was good friends with Coach Jim Toman, who also spent some time in Columbia. So it's kind of funny how it comes full circle. And uh yeah, Coach Toman had called and said, hey, you know, nothing certain. I'm looking for, a, you know, a third assistant. You know, would you would you want to come on staff? And at that time, it was, um, you know, a little bit of a better opportunity for me to, to accelerate my career, um, you know, get out of Columbia a little bit, learn, a, you know, a different, you know, go to the Conference USA and, um, 
you know, that went on throughout the summer. I remember calling coach Kingston and he was nothing but supportive. You know, John, you gotta, you gotta take an opportunity. It was a, a little bit of a step up in terms of responsibilities there. I was going to be in charge of, you know, on campus recruiting and, and all those types of things. So, um, you know, but yeah, give a, give a whole lot of credit for coach Toman, you know, who's essentially a legend in Columbia, yeah. you know, every time <laughs> people want to hear Jim Toman's stories working for the guy, but, um, he took a chance on me as a 22 year old that, um, I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, had two unbelievable years there and, uh, you know, got out of coaching last season and now back in the Northeast doing something else. But, um, coach Toman and that whole staff that I worked with there was an awesome experience. I coached the catchers, I helped with the pitchers mm. and, uh, you know, learning from coach Toman was, was an unbelievable experience. Do, do you see your future holding uh, any more coaching? You think you think coaching's still part of your your plan or, or your 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 journey or like what, what do you what do you think? Uh, I think it's a tough question right now. Um, you know, I I, I never want to close that door. You know, when when you're out of the game a little bit, you have to be realistic in that. Yeah. You know, the longer that you're out, the tougher yeah. it is to get back in. Yeah. Uh, I was extremely fortunate as a 22 year old to be a division one assistant, uh, never took that for granted. Um, you know, was in an awesome, had an awesome opportunity, uh, you know, eat, sleep and, you know, breathed it for, for two yeah. years. I and mean, it was 90 hour weeks and, um, loved every minute of it was just ready to do something else. But to answer your question, um, you never know right now I'm at peace with it. Um, you know, enjoying being a little bit of a fan. I still keep up with recruiting, um, watching who guys are signing and, and, and things like that. But you never know. You never know. I, I think that uh, I think it's always important to kind of uh, see what your opportunities are and things like that. I still keep in touch with my former boss. I, I talk to him, you know, two or three times a week. The coaches that I worked with um, have a great relationship with them and even Coach Kingston. Um, but, yeah, definitely at peace with it now. Enjoying, you know having a little time away from the game, you know, spent a lot of time doing it and, and seeing the coaching side was, uh, was a good experience. For sure. And like you said, you're on the fan side of things. So I got to get your take now. We just, as we're talking right now, we sit here 10 days away from opening day in the 2021 baseball season. And of course, you know, not that you or I or anyone would have ever taken the game for granted, but I know there's an extra emphasis this year because of how last season got cut short. And I mean, you know, I, I've never been more excited to watch a Tuesday game against Winthrop as, as I've ever been. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> like a, after yep. losing it last year. But I'll get your take on it. Just kind of the, you know, obviously you guys had that great run in 2018. I think 2019 was very similar to 17 and that the ball just didn't you bounce your way. I mean, your Friday night ace gets hurt like the second weekend, third weekend. A lot of things to overcome didn't go your way. I think last year that team was hitting its stride as it was about to hit SEC play, and it's really unfortunate that, you know, I was excited to see a guy, Carmen Majinski, go through a full – you know, we never got to see him go through a full SEC season, which is crazy to think about. I mean, he was still a first-rounder. That's how good he was, folks. But uh, we come in this season. I, I know fans are really excited. I'm excited. Preseason ranked top 20 in the country, picked to finish third in the East, but which is very respectable with Vanderbilt and Florida ahead of you, two top five teams. But – I'll ask you overall how you're feeling about the direction of the program. And then, you know, I know there's some guys, obviously, you know, you're still obviously very familiar with Kingston and me, but probably some guys that are players that you know on that team this year. Uh, feelings on the direction of the program and how you're feeling going in this uh, this 2021 season. 
Yeah, it's the first season in about, uh, I guess, six years where I'm, you know, kind of sitting back as a fan. But, yeah, I, I'm excited to watch uh, not only South Carolina, but, you know, the former program that I was a part of, Middle Tennessee State. But from a South Carolina standpoint, um, it seems like they have some serious firepower. I mean, up in that, that pitching depth is probably um, – it's unfair for me to say because I wasn't around the last two staffs, but I would venture to say that probably the most firepower they've had from an arm standpoint since that 2017 team. Mm. Um, Far is a guy that um, we, we tried to recruit a little bit at middle Tennessee state. And obviously uh, you know, some other programs got in there. South Carolina was fortunate to land him. And uh, you know, it, it seems like they're, they're in position to be uh, you know, back to being that that powerhouse a little bit in that league um I'm really looking forward to seeing it I think that it's it's interesting I I was there for um Parker Coyne's freshman year Cam Tringali's freshman year and watching those guys develop into where you know they're big pieces of the puzzle it's they're they're very deep and uh I think I think the direction is um a really good one I think that uh, I'm really excited for Coach Kingston and his staff. And, um, you know, I think it should be a really exciting year. I saw that that, that Texas series, I put myself in, in the shoes of being a player in the locker room. And I can't even imagine the excitement of, of getting to go to Austin. I mean, we all the time would talk about, you know, the road trips were some of the, the most fun you had, yeah. you know. And um, I think that the scheduling, they've done a phenomenal job and, um, I think that they're they should be really excited about, you know, watching the team that they put together uh, come full circle and, you know, still familiar with a lot of those guys, not just as a fan, but uh, from being there and, and coaching a little bit. You know, you're familiar with some of the guys that they were recruiting and um, can't say enough good things about the job that that staff has done in terms of putting uh, putting that team together. Yeah, you mentioned that Texas matchup. I'm the same way as you. I'm so fired up for that. I mean, have, two teams haven't played since. 2002 in the College World Series final, and it, it's a matchup that gives you a little bit of everything with, you know, two teams that are ranked, you know, the College World Series history, um, early season matchup. We're going we're gonna to know a lot about South Carolina baseball after the first month because you think of series against teams like Clemson, Mercer, Texas, Vanderbilt, Florida, but that's why you play at South Carolina. That's, I mean, you, you want to play in games like that. You want to play in meaningful baseball games and uh, – you know, I know we're all excited for it. John, you've been gracious with your time, man. Before I get you out of here, last last thing really quickly, um, kind of on a lighthearted note, when you look back on your career at South Carolina, obviously you being a bullpen catcher, man, you got stories <laughs> on stories. I mean, you, you, you're kind of like a barber. You know these guys probably a lot better than yeah. the, 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 even the normal teammate. Like, they're probably venting to you about, like, some off-the-wall stuff. And you're like, bro, we're just trying to throw a bullpen here. Like, let's relax. Um, I'm not asking you to go into those details, but just any funny stories, anything, any memorable moments that stick out from your time in Columbia? Uh, I will say on the front end, I think I'm sworn to secrecy on some of the, uh, <laughs> some of the conversations that went down in the bullpen. <laughs> Definitely wear yeah. a, uh, you wear a bunch of different hats mm. in that role. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the things that I probably remember the most are just, uh, you know, the bus rides or, you know, being in the locker room before a game. Some of my best memories in my four years there were probably that, that time after BP going back up into the locker room where, you know, you're just, you're kicking it for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so many stories that I probably not enough time for it. it it's, it's fun kind of opening up the yearbook again and, and taking a trip down memory lane. But 
um, you know, a lot of, a lot of really good characters in that locker room. I think that that was probably one of the, uh, the most enjoyable things about being at South Carolina is you have guys from all over the country. Um, you have guys from different backgrounds and, um, just coming together as one. And, mm. you know, especially from a bullpen standpoint, I mean, you spend w- between coach Myers and coach me, they, you know, we would get sent down there in the first inning. We didn't really have that much. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, it was a, a ton of fun and a lot of stories that maybe, uh, maybe some of them probably for all fair. <laughs> for sure. John, appreciate it, man. This was a lot of fun. Seriously. Appreciate you taking yeah. the time. And I, I know I can say again, um, Thank you for what you did for Gamecock Baseball. Obviously, again, it does not go um, under the radar, if you will, um, your, your impact. And like I said, for me being a former pitcher, just knowing that type of relationship you have with your catchers and what you go through on a daily basis, far beyond game day, far beyond even practice. So um, appreciate what you did. And like I said, best of luck in your future endeavors. I know you'll, you'll be watching along with us all for this season for Gamecock Baseball. And obviously, best of luck to Middle Tennessee State. And uh, is Coach Tolman still there or no? Is he still there? Coach Tillman's still there. Coach Tillman's still okay. there. Uh, unbelievable guy. He's yeah. a uh, he's a TV personality for sure. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you for having me. I, I really enjoyed it, and I uh, wish you the best of luck in everything. Yeah, for sure, John. Appreciate you. Uh, he's uh, John Penchel. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show. make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer mail checks invoices documents and everything you need to keep your business running get rates up to 89 percent off usps and ups and with the mobile app you can take care of mailing on the go make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with stamps.com sign up at stamps.com with code program for a special offer that's stamps.com code program